Hello, and thank you for joining me on According to John, where we learn about the scriptures, and hopefully we learn about ourselves. Thank you again. I am your host, John Westfall. Excited to be here today and to present uh, some truths to you that you may not have known in the past, some things about the Bible that you may uh, have known or not understood. Either way, we are going to learn today about God's grace and just how much Jesus loves us and how he will follow us and come after us. And the idea is that he wants us to be with him. And even if we've messed up, it doesn't matter. As long as we've repented as far as uh, receiving Christ as our Savior, and I'll talk later about that, uh, Jesus will chase after us, and he wants us to be a part of him. So without further ado, let's get into 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. If you're following along in the scriptures, uh, we will be in 1 Peter 5, 1. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day and the time together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear about your word, learn, and to grow. Father, teach us, show us, help us to see what we need to know. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to be in 1 Peter 5, 1. I love teaching the scriptures. I love uh, being able to open up the word of God and learn just a little bit more, and I hope that you guys will as well. So hang in there, and uh, hopefully today will be a little bit of a treat for you. 1 Peter 5, 1. Peter says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Now, that, this is huge, uh, some big things in here, and, and I want to break it down so that we understand. And, and I know you're like, hey, well, what's that got to do with me? Because this is all about Peter. And he's like, hey, I'm a fellow elder and I'm a witness of Christ's suffering and I will be there uh, in the rapture. Or, or the, when, the, when the glory will be revealed. Well, it's got a lot to do with us because I think, I think what we're going to see here is the fact that sometimes we feel like, man, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Uh, man, I've made some really bad decisions, and God's not going to forgive me. And what I, wanted, what I want you to see is God will forgive you. Uh, not only will God forgive you, but I think that when we see what's going on with Peter and how Jesus uh, not only forgave him, but chased after him. I mean, we're, we're going to see where Peter messed up pretty bad. And yet, Jesus loves him so much that he chases after him. And I want you to know that you can't mess up too bad that Jesus won't chase after you as well. All right, so let, let's get in this. So, the very beginning, and, and always whenever we look at the scriptures, the first thing we got to do is we have to look at it in context. Like we, we legitimately have to go, okay, this isn't my interpretation. This isn't uh, the way I see it. Let's look at what does the Bible say, and then let's look at it in the context that the scripture is written. How do we do that? Well, first off, you have to figure out uh, who did the author write it to? Who was the author? Who did the author write it to? Why did the author write it? Once we learn that, then we can understand the context of the passage. And, and so, so that's, what we're, that's what we're looking at here. Peter's writing to the Jews, uh, the Christians, very specific, and uh, uh, those who were scattered abroad of the 12 tribes. And he is writing this to say, hey, listen, uh, I mean, we got false teachers in the world. We got a lot of crazy going on. But I want you to understand 
that I understand. And so this is where he picks up, and he says, the elders who are among you I exhort. Uh, in other words, I'm lifting up. And then I, who am a fellow elder, he's saying, I, listen, I am right there with you. I'm, uh, this is very, uh, in context, this is to the pastors. But in application, I'm going to apply it to all of us across the board. And so here we know that in verse 2, he says, listen, uh, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly. So, so we see this is very specific to the pastors, but I want you to know that if you are breathing, you're a leader. You go, oh, I'm not a leader, you know, but no, 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 you are a leader. And let me, let me tell you why. Someone is watching you. Someone is paying attention to what you say, what you do, how you live, how you act, the, the uh, um, vocabulary that you use. Somebody is watching you. And so, therefore, you are leading those people. Uh, you might lead by example. You might lead through Audible, like the podcast today. You might think that, well, Nobody's paying attention to me. I'm not a leader. I promise you, somebody is watching you. And so, therefore, again, let me repeat, you are a leader. So here, let's pick up in with, with Peter. And so Peter says, listen, I'm, I'm a fellow elder or a fellow pastor. So he understands that part. And then in 5.1, he says, uh, and not only am I a fellow pastor, but also I am a witness of Christ's sufferings. Now, you might go, what's that got to do with this? Well, it's big because Peter was witnessing uh, Christ's suffering on the cross, right? You know, before he, uh, before he was crucified on the cross. And what we're going to do is we're going to look up, uh, we're going to look at some scripture. And again, if you have your Bibles, you can open your Bibles. If not, just go ahead and follow along uh, listening. But in Luke chapter 22, in Luke chapter 22, we're going to pick up in verse 54. So in Luke 24, 54, 20, I'm sorry, 22, 54, Jesus is arrested. He, he's taken, he's in custody. Uh, we see here in verse 54, it says, Having arrested him, Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. I, I really find this interesting because uh, Peter is thinking, man, I, I don't want to be associated with him because if I'm associated with him, I, I'm going to be persecuted as well, or I might go to jail, and we can't take any of those chances. But I really want to know what's going on. I really want to, I want to see what's going to happen to Jesus. And so what happens is Peter follows along at a distance, hoping nobody will see him incognito, if you will. Verse 55. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. So, you know, the multitude of people, they're in the courtyard. They see what's going on. They're all wanting to know what's happening. It's the cool of the night. And so they are uh, building a fire, obviously, to stay warm by. It gives light as well. And they're all just sitting around. They're waiting to see what's going to happen just like Peter is. 56. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. And so literally this woman's just staring at him like, I know you from somewhere. 
no, I'm pretty sure I know you from somewhere. And then she says, this man was also with Jesus. Now, this is where it starts getting interesting because Peter is, remember, he, he doesn't want anybody to know he was with him. He doesn't even want to be associated with Jesus at this point. And so in verse 57, Peter says, it says this, but Peter denied him saying, woman, I do not know him. Now, no big deal. Peter just simply said, woman, I do not know him. We, we pay attention to the punctuation at the end of these sentences because if you don't pay attention to the punctuation, you might lose the intensity of what's going on. And so here's just simple period at the end of it. Woman, I do not know him. Verse 58, and after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. Like he now he's getting a little emphatic. He's starting to deny with some intensity. We know that because it's an exclamation point. And so there's some intensity going on here. He's, now he's trying to convince them. The, the interesting thing is he's lying the whole time because he he knows that he was with Jesus. He was with him for three years. But he's got to keep the charade up, right? Kind of what a lot of us do, unfortunately. Verse 59. Then after about an hour had passed. So the interesting thing is you know that the people had heard that. They heard the discussions. They heard his denial. He got a little excited, so uh, that probably calmed some people down. He thought, yeah, I got away with it now. So then about an hour passes, and another confidently affirmed saying, surely, or in the Greek, it would be truly, truly. Surely this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Surely this fellow, Peter, was with him, Jesus, because he's a Galilean. And the Galileans and Jesus, they, listen, they're all from Galilee, and so they are of the same. Verse 60. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying exclamation point. And if we read in the other gospels in their account, it literally says that he was cussing at them, trying to convince them that he was not with him. So Peter is, Peter's a little slow. He was warned about this, you know, uh, listen, Satan, uh, was after Peter. Jesus even said, Peter, Satan is looking to sift you like wheat. And the interesting thing is, is when, when Jesus said, Peter, look, Satan's after you, he's going to sift you like wheat. But when you return, and Peter missed the but when you return, because all he heard was Satan's looking to sift you like wheat, and Peter's going, no, nah, I'm not. Jesus said, listen, you're, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, I'm not, I'll never deny you. I don't, I don't know about the rest of these guys, but I'll never deny you. And Jesus said, listen, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. Here we are. Verse 60, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. So now you know in, in Peter's head, it had to have triggered. It, it, it had to, at some point, Peter had to went, oh my goodness, this just happened. Exactly what I said I wouldn't do, I did. Exactly what Jesus said what happened, happened. I cannot believe I'm standing here living this out. 
I mean, it, it had to have run through his head. But even bigger than that, probably the thing that would have captured me the most is verse 62. I'm, so, I'm sorry, verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So literally, in the other Gospels it says, and immediately the Lord turned and locked eyes with Peter. So all of a sudden, Peter denies him three times. The rooster crows. That happens exactly the way Jesus would said, uh, said it would. Peter was in full denial of it, but now it just happened. And then all of a sudden, Jesus and Peter lock eyes. Wow, you talk about betrayal. I, I can only imagine what Peter was feeling. I can only imagine the depth of, of guilt, of shame. Of, I mean, just think of the flood of emotions that Peter was dealing with. And so here in 61, it says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And then in 62, so Peter went out and wept bitterly. Literally in the Greek, wept bitterly means that he went out and wept violently until he became ill, sick, throwing up, vomiting. So now we know Peter realizes what he's done. And I'm sure at this point, racing through his head as he is, as he is getting violently ill with his weeping and crying, he had to say at some point, I cannot believe I just did that. And, and the truth is, there's some of us. There are some of us where people say, are you a Christian? And you, oh, no, 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 I'm not a Christian. And the reality is you are. But you just did what Peter did. You denied Christ. And some of you might even do it vehemently. I mean, you you don't want to be associated with Christianity because you whatever reason, who who knows nowadays. And and there's two reasons for that. One, either you're legitimately uh not a child of God, you're legitimately you're not a Christian. And contrary to many beliefs out there, to be a Christian means you have to be a Christ follower. In other words, you have to believe what the Bible says, John says in, in chapter 8, verse 47, that you're not of God because you do not hear the things of God. And, of course, he was in a huge debate with the Pharisees and the lawyers and all those that were being contentious toward him. And, and they're like, hey, Abraham's my father. Jesus even said, being politically correct as Jesus is, he said, if Abraham were your father, you would believe the things that I tell you. But because you do not believe, you are of your father, the devil, Satan. Satan is your father. Now, I don't know about you, but that is not politically correct at all. So when people think that Jesus is just all about ushy-gushy love, well, we find that, you know, he not only does he turn over tables, but he tells people that Satan's their father. And then he says, listen, the reason you know how you can know Satan is your father is you don't believe the word of God. You question it. You doubt it. And so, therefore, because you do not believe the word of God, you're not of God. Because in order to believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, 
you got to believe the word of God because that's where it says it. So it's just this, this whole web that runs around and, and we see uh, how it all connects. And I know some people will go, well, I'm saved, I'm saved. And you might be, I'm born again. Jesus says that you must be born again in John chapter 3. And so you, you very well may be born again. And you're like Peter. You are just denying. And we know that Peter was born again because Jesus even said, who, who do people say that I am? And they run off a whole list of names, and then Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter and others said, you are Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, God revealed that to you because man by himself does not know it. So, so we see Peter's clearly saved. He was just ashamed, maybe fear. Uh, may, maybe some fear had set in, and he didn't want anybody to know that he was part of Jesus, because then he would be persecuted. There's a, a multitude of things going on here. So I'm really not sure where Peter is, except for I do know that he denied Jesus, and now he understands what he did. And, and, and he's rightfully so, he's bothered by it. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, we see when he says, I am a fellow elder, a fellow pastor, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, you can't help but to go back to, excuse me, go back to where he, he witnessed Christ's death uh, on the cross. He was there, but he also was there to deny him three times. And then he goes on in, in 1 Peter 5, 1, he says, so, I'm a fellow elder or a fellow pastor and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Listen, I am a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Man, when the rapture happens and we're all called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, I will be there. That's pretty cool. And I'm going to tell you how he knows he'll be there. Because Jesus, listen, Jesus will chase after us. Jesus desires us. Make no mistake about it. Jesus wants us to be a part of him and the Father and the Holy Spirit and heaven and all that's going on there. And in order to have that, we have to, as Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, that we have to believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. So with the heart, man uh, uh, believes unto salvation, and with the mouth... He confesses, Jesus Christ is Lord. That, that's salvation. It's faith. I mean, by faith only can we, can we get to heaven. So at any rate, here's a confirmation for Peter. If we look in John chapter 21, and if we, if we look in John chapter 21, we have to start in verse 1, uh, 21.1. So important that we start here. So in 21.1, it says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. So, so John is, is telling us what happened. He, he's explaining what went on, and, and this, is the, this is the unfolding of the event. And uh, this is after, the, uh, after he was resurrected from the grave, after the sufferings on the cross and everything. 
Jesus said, listen, hey, um, I want you guys to go and meet me in the room, in the upper room. I will be there. And so they were all, they, all the apostles went there. And now we pick up in verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. So let's just stop right here for a second because what I find really interesting is Jesus said, hey, listen, I want you guys to go to the room, and I just want you to wait on me until I get there. And I'll be there, but I want you to wait. And Peter, oh, Peter, he's so slow. I know, sometimes we are too, right? We know we're not supposed to do it. We do it, and then all of a sudden all this guilt comes on us, and, and we feel bad, and so on and so forth. And it just, yeah, sometimes I think we're as slow as Peter is. But in verse 2 or 3, Simon Peter says to them, I'm going fishing. And so not only did he not listen, but he also helped others to not listen as well. Hey, we're going with you also. So they went out and immediately got into the boat. They fished all night. They caught nothing. Verse 4. But when the morning had come, they had, when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now, I'm just, I'm just guessing that the reason they didn't know it was Jesus is because, you know, the distance away from them being in the boat, looking on the shore, and they're like, hey, I think that might be Jesus, but, you know, I'm not sure. Um, maybe... Maybe they're, they're thinking, okay, you know, Jesus is dead, and I know he said he's going to come back, but I don't know how that's going to happen. So there, there could be a lot of questions in there. Um, uh, verse 5, then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And you might go, so what's the big deal here that he says, children, have you any food? And they say, no. Well, the big deal is, is first off, he didn't leave out Peter because, remember, Peter's with them, and he calls them children, meaning that they are children of God. And so that's just a sweet little way that if Peter was paying attention and if we are paying attention, that he's letting Peter know, all of you are my children. Peter, you're not excluded. L listen, that, that should be incredibly encouraging to us to know that we can screw up and we're, we are still a part of God's family. Verse 6, and he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast the net now. They were, so they cast the net. Now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Verse 7, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, if some of you are like, well, who's the disciple that Jesus loved? Didn't he love all of them? In the book of John, which is where we're at, the Gospel of John, John never references himself with his name. So every time you read it and he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he's referencing himself. So verse 7, therefore, therefore, because of what just happened with the fish, that's what the therefore is. Anytime you see a therefore, you want to find out what it's there for, which means you got to kind of, you got to go backwards to see what it's there for. Therefore, that disciple, therefore, John said to Peter, it is the Lord. 
Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. Now, the the other versions, or the, I mean, the other gospels say that that uh, Jesus, or that I'm sorry, that Peter went under pressure, and and of course, you know, because now, <laughs> now he's got to face Jesus. I can only imagine. He's got to look him eye to eye again. Not only did he deny him three times, but he was disobedient. When Jesus said, stay here, and I'll, I'll meet you there, and Peter got tired of waiting, and he left. So Peter's got some, some answering to do. Verse 8. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Now, 200 cubits, if you're interested in what a cubit is, cubit is on average about 18 inches. And so you could measure a cubit in the way they did back then for a quick measurement. The, a cubit was 18 inches from the, they would measure it from the elbow to the fingertips. So if you measured your arm from the end of the elbow to the end of the longest fingertip, you would see you would be probably somewhere between the 17 and 19 inches. 18 inches is an average, uh, which is what most people are. And so you're going to find you're about 18 inches. And so here, he's 200 cubits. So just take 200 times 18 inches, divide it by 12 inches, and you'll find out how far out they were. Verse 9. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Well, I can only imagine what kind of bread Jesus makes. Verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although they were so many, the net was not broken. And this is, again, how they knew it was God, because under any other circumstances, that many fish, the, the net never would have held. It would have broke without question. And so, again, this is another way that Christ shows that he is Christ, that he is the Son of God, uh, just another miracle here. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Verse 13, Jesus said, uh, Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Now, to just read it, you're like, okay, simple question. Do you love me? And, and, and Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And, and we go through this three times. But what we have to understand is what's actually happening in this passage. It's not just love. I mean, in the English language, we have love. You know, oh, I love purple. I love grapes. Hey, I love green. Well, I love my parents. I love my job. I mean, there's different kinds of loves, right? I love my friend. Uh, hey, I love people. Uh, I love my tennis shoes. I mean, whatever it is, there's, there's different kinds of love. And depending on the way it's used in a sentence, we really don't understand the depth of love. It's kind of a generic word in the English language. Because I assure you that loving, your, loving the color of purple or loving your tennis shoes uh, is not equal to loving your spouse or loving your parents or your children. There's a, a 
significant difference in level of love. Uh, I would not die for the color purple, nor would I die for a pair of tennis shoes, but I would for my children and my wife. So again, different kinds of love. So here, when Jesus says in verse 15, uh, Simon, son of Jonah, very specific, Simon, son of Jonah, Peter, there's no mistake who I'm talking to, very clear. Do you love me more than these? And what he's really saying is, do you agape me? And the Greek, the, the Greek word here for love is agape. Agape is that intimate love that I'm talking about that you would have for a child or for a spouse or a parent. Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I love you like a brother, right? I mean, that's where Philadelphia gets uh, uh, his, his name, Phila, uh, or phileo is love you like a brother. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Jesus says, do you love me intimately? And Peter responds, you know I love you like a brother. Verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he says it again, do you agape me? Peter responds the same way, yes, Lord, you know that I Phileo you. I love you like a brother. And Jesus says, tend to my sheep. 17. He says to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? But this time, Jesus doesn't use the word agape. He uses the word phileo. And we can speculate for a multitude of reasons of why he does this, but I, I think that Jesus uses the word phileo because Jesus is going to meet Peter right where he is. Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Again, I told you, Peter's slow. Everything seems to be in threes with him. I don't know why, but he just doesn't catch on that quick. When he does catch on, I mean, he's got a hold of it, but, but he doesn't catch on that quick. And so he says, Lord, you know all things. So Peter recognizes Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the Lord, as that he knows all things. He's the miracle worker. He's the Savior. When Peter says, uh, Lord, you know all things, he's giving him his proper due. Then he says, you know that I love you. You know that I love you like a brother. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Tend to them. Feed them. Spiritually feed them. Love my sheep, my people. That's what he's saying, love my people. So I want you to see that when we look at this, 
I want you to see that Jesus loves us. And if you're truly one of his children, as, as he said to the apostles when, when, he, when he calls out to them on the boat and asks them, uh, um, let, me, let me back up here, when he says in verse 5, children, have you any food? It's because they believed that he was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that died on the cross, died for their sins, that rose again on the third day, that conquered the grave. Uh, listen, they believed all that. That's what made them children of God. Peter believed that, and that's what made him a child of God. And Jesus was coming along and reaffirming that and calling him back into service. Peter, I know you messed up. I, listen, I, I know you did things you shouldn't have done. I know you denied me. I also know that it made you sick to your stomach that you denied me. But Peter, my grace is sufficient. Peter, you're forgiven. Peter, I love you. Peter, I want you to come back. And, and, and it's not that he lost his salvation. It's that he says, hey, I want you to come back in the fold and start serving me the way you're supposed to. Start fulfilling the plan that I have for your life. This, this, is, what, this is what Jesus is doing. And, and he, uses, he uses the scriptures here. This, 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 he uses the time by the, the sea, the breakfast, to do that. Very personal. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe you know that you're a Christian, but you shamedly, because of the group you're in, denied Jesus. And, and you know God's trying to call you back. I encourage you to come back. I encourage you to understand that you are no different than Peter. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he calls Peter back, he's going to call you and I back if we walk away. Jesus loves you, and he desires for you to love him in return. Guys, I hope this helped you out. I hope that, that it helped you in some way. If you enjoyed it, I, I ask that you would like and click and share and do all the things that, that you do to help get it out and uh, that I can bring more. And so God bless you. And uh, if you're out there struggling, I hope you meet Jesus. Have breakfast with him. Invite him. He's waiting. God bless you. Until the next time on According to John.